You ready for this one? So ready. It's insane. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know, but we'll go with it. I mean, I've had a bit to drink. I've had two <laughs> glasses of wine. Two glasses of wine. Which is enough for me. No wine. I'm eating popcorn instead. All right. You ready to get going? Yes, I am. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, master sales trainer at Sales Gravy. And I'm Susanna Gray Jones, <laughs> I'm own optimized search and recruitment strategist. We're la- I'm laughing because, well, we're both <laughs> laughing because I'm watching her face on Zoom and I was like, oh God, what, what am I supposed to say? And then you were ready to jump in and I was like, okay, I gotta finish what I'm saying. And here we are. You know what I'm so excited about? What are you excited about today? First of all, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Happy 2023. You know what that that means, Susanna Gray-Jones? What does that mean? I know what it means. I know what it means. What does that mean? That I have been your podcast co-host bitch for a year now. Happy anniversary, Zana Gray Jones. <laughs> I can't believe I'm still here. I can't believe I can't. Uh, we're still talking. <laughs> I do think you tried to quit me once and I didn't let you. Twice, actually. <laughs> well, who's counting? Me, who's... because this is the first time was because I um, I, I, I thought that, I, I basically thought that you want, I, I thought, well, she doesn't want me for that long. Let me make it easy for her. Um, and you didn't, you didn't let me go. So I was like, okay, she wants me a bit longer. Great. I'll keep doing this until I'll see how I go. And I, well, I'm still here. So I must be doing something right by you. So thank you. You're so welcome. I, I would rather be part of a team. That's just my style. I don't want to be one person by myself. There was an episode I had to do alone and I hated it. Why? It was good. It was a good episode. I know the one I you mean. I mean, it was a good episode, but I just, I hate talking to myself. It's not, it's just not fun. And you, do I gotta, you, you do it to me every day. <laughs> <laughs> nice, well, well played. Um, I don't think yeah. I don't think our producer was going for it either because I suggested he's like, yeah, you could do an episode by yourself once in a while. That was like in the time when you're like, no, I think you should just do the show by yourself. You don't need me. You can hand, You could do it by yourself. And I don't think Nian was going for it. I think he was like, hmm. <laughs> No, Gina, you should not be alone. Well, I'll still let you have the spotlight. And ultimately, you know, you do. It's, um, this show is is your vision. And it's become my vision, too, in many ways, in the sense that, like, I feel really strongly about women disrupting the norm of being mm-hmm. very compliant, being quiet. I feel very strongly that women should have a voice and women should be able to speak up. And also women should be kind to other women if they are loud and, you know, if they are a bit more confident than what, what men perceive women to be often. So there's that. Mm-hmm. There's that. I, th- I think there's that. The phrase, the phrase of 2022 was there's that. And today, as we kick off 2023 and we are beginning the fifth season of the show. I can't believe all of last year. I thought it was the third season when it was really the fourth season. She says she's not very good with numbers and there's your evidence. I'm not. Which <laughs> reminds me, I'm I'm in the middle of writing my book, which is super exciting because I'm on a roll and I'm actually doing it. I can't, so I don't have to, I'm not just talking about well, I'm going to write a book. I'm actually writing it. 
So I'm tired of hearing this. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book and, you know, just getting everyone excited. What is the why behind this book? Or you're not allowed to tell me yet. I mean, what is the why? What is, what is the purpose of this book? I want to know. I, cause I but, don't know enough about it yet. Um, there's, there's, that's a really great question. And you really put me on the spot. It, it is something that I've always wanted to do. I was a journalism major. Writing is a passion that I never seem to find time for or I walk away from. But as a, as a keynote speaker, I, I, I do a lot of motivational speaking. Well, I used to. I don't do that so much with sales gravy. But there's something about speaking and motivating people that when I get up and speak, I've, I always have someone. There's always one person who says, when are you writing a book? Mm. That comes up. And lately, I've had clients asking me if I have a book. And so I almost am starting to feel like I have no choice. And like it's the push. It's the push because I keep talking about it. I, I've been talking about it for years. And now it seems to be like there's a sign every time I turn around. Someone's like, do you have a book? If you had a book, I'd buy a book. Can I get a, are you going to pre-sell your book? So the why behind it is to motivate, to inspire, um, to educate. I don't want to, I don't want to reveal too much yet about it because there is, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a two book deal. Mm-hmm. So it's like two books being written simultaneously. I'm just going to leave it at that. Interesting. Create some intrigue. Create some intrigue. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I think also, you know, not just your own life, which has been really interesting, but both of us, we've, ha- we've got to interview some really high profile guests on this show. Like we've attracted some really high profile people. We've learned so much. So, you know, you're collating that wisdom alongside your own life experience. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, a lot of good juice in there. Well, it's been interesting writing it because, um, you know, we all, this isn't like something new to teach. Like we hear this all the time about journaling and writing things down. Um, and I, I've had a lot of advice over the years. I, I think Jeb, also Jeb had said it at one, at one point, he did offer, this is years ago. I don't know if he's still going to offer it. He had offered to write like the prologue or intro or whatever you call the beginning of the Preface. book. Yeah, that that piece of it. Um, the the writing. There we go. So when you when you're in the middle of the writing, things come up that you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that life experience that has shaped my path, that has shaped mm. my career trajectory. So that's been a really interesting thing. Um, that these these little nuggets and things come up that I completely forgot about that are highly pivotal moments. Mm. Uh, and and much of this started with, um, and I have talked about it, so I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek. This has to do, obviously, there's an improv piece to this. There is a childlike piece to this. And so there's a theme that runs through it. And that theme really is about looking back at the things that we learn along the way. Mm-hmm. And how that shapes us in our career roles, in our business roles, in our sales roles. And and so it mm. ties back to improv, but it's very story-based. Interesting. And I think one of the things, I mean, I've been up in the night, like when I was jet lagged, listening to your stories. 
<laughs> when I when I came to America. So I know there's going to be some great nuggets in there. But I also think that, you know, you have the ability to, and this is a certain type of intelligence that I think everyone should try to do. You have the ability to reflect on the past. What has I, what have I learned from this? Why has this made me who I am today? And I think a lot of people are, are just starting to discover that. I think without sounding disrespectful to you, I think that's something that has must come with age because there's a lot of people sort of in their twenties who do struggle to be self-reflective because they're very inside their own head. I was certainly like that in my twenties. Yeah, I think what, what comes with the aging, and I don't take offense to that because I, you know, uh, like I said, I started out as a journalism major. I was always a writer. It's a passion that I find reasons why I can't focus on it or work on it or do it. But what I have noticed is that I'm far more reflective now on the different things that I've learned along the way. And I have more mm. wisdom to share. Not that I didn't have wisdom then. But I think then I was collecting the stories as I went along. And now the story, like literally as of today, which is still in December, I've written 10,000 words, which that might not sound a lot to a lot of people. But to me, it's like such a big start to get to 10,000 words when my goal is 50,000. So mm. I was like, oh, my God, I have only scratched the surface with this, which is right now is just a brain dump. I've only scratched the surface with it and and there's so many more stories and lessons to put in it that I couldn't have done in my 20s. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting. So when does this book come out then? Come on. I did set a goal. I mean, I, so I, I set a goal um, a few months ago that I would be done writing in March mm -hmm. of 2023. And... um. I'm tracking, I'm on track for getting it finished and I'm going to probably self-publish. Good job. An interesting, interesting so, choice. Why, well, why self-publishing? Um, self-publishing, I can, you can publish faster. Interesting. Than having to go through a publisher. So it, it's a, it's a faster launch and, and it has come up a lot. The question has come up a lot about, do you have a book? So I have a lot of content and knowledge, especially improv-based, and the question keeps coming up. And then the motivation piece, this is really what was kind of an eye-opener with Heather Monaghan when she was on the show. This was kind of like another turning point for me where I'm like, enough is enough. She, you know, her books are very personal and motivational. And she shared with me that her keynotes, most of her keynotes are very motivational. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting because you're a salesperson and, you know, she trains in that. But that's not the book she wrote. So I was kind of curious. I'm like, so tell me more about this motivational speaking, you know, and like these large, very large companies hire her to do the motivational talk about the the struggles she's been through. She's like, I, I do that motivational talk and then I'm in the door. And they want to talk to me about sales training. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was, it's not like I didn't know that, but hearing it, I, it just makes so much sense. And I did lose a deal in the past month. I did lose a deal for a sales kickoff that um, they wanted me to keynote speak. And so I was going to keynote and do some training. And they decided to go another route internally. Like, 
there's a lot of conflict over it that they didn't want someone to come in and do training. They wanted, in, you know, their own departments wanted to handle their own training. So the client's like, we're so sorry because we really want to work with you and we're trying to get you in the door for training. But we're going to go to the motivational speaker route. And I said, well, I can do that. But it was already etched in their brain that I'm a sales trainer and speaker. They're like, oh, we're going through a, a speaker's bureau. We want a motivational speaker who has a story to tell. You were like, me, me, me. But they, yeah, I see. So they'd already, and it's like any product that if you are too prescriptive before kind of working out what they want, and in this case, that wasn't your fault. You know, that's what you came in. That was the inquiry, I'm guessing. So you didn't yeah. get the chance to kind of, you, it was an afterthought, basically. And an afterthought's never I, I tried, I take a lot of pride in being able to like shift and pivot and to sell, uh, but they had a really hard time adjusting to that because they already had me in a certain box and they saw yeah. me in a certain way. Yeah. And and I would have had to get, gotten it approved anyway by Jeb to take that spin on it. So the door is still open. I know I'm going to eventually work with them, but I found it really interesting that a lot of these organizations, they, they want the person who comes in and, and tells the, the triumphant story, the story of struggle that turned into success to pump people up. And that seems to be a really big theme going into 2023, a huge yeah. theme from, from the prospecting and the call and the, the meetings I've had that, you know, as we, we, continue through a, a rough economy and the, the Fed just did a interest in, you know, they just raised the interest rates again a couple of weeks here ago in the U.S. and they, so, they, they're they going to do at least two or three more in 2023. So all of this is really real. Um, what's happening to the economy? Uh, it's not, I don't think it's going to be, the economists say it's not going to be as, as bad, but it's, you're going to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw that in, in the news as well. I think Ultimately, there's two sides to this. I think there's the one side that a lot of people talk about the young uns or millennials. So, so they say having everything easy and wanting everyone. Oh, I want to work from home. I speak to recruiters every day. I want to work from home. I want to be paid 10 grand more. I want to be able to not be micromanaged. People want, you know, but okay, that's great. But what, what are you doing? And the point is, is that people know that they're going to struggle. They know that next year is going to be really difficult, but a lot of people aren't used to that struggle. So hearing stories about the struggle and how people have used it in a positive way is what people are craving right now. It's they're drowning and they want to stay above the surface and that's helping them. Those stories are what we need. I mean, I don't know about you. We've, we've had chats about this before. You have told me that you, in a kind way, you've said that you think that my outlook is slightly negative in the sense that I worry every day that I am going to Be end homeless. up on the street. And mm -hmm. I tell you this, the other day I was so demotivated because I have had a banging year. I have exceeded my target and I'm really happy about that. And I was just like, well, what's next? I, I needed something bad to happen. And when something bad did happen, <laughs> when it did happen and someone dropped out of a placement, I was like, yes. And I thought I am either a psychopath and I'm weird <laughs> or I just need to be challenged. I think as humans, we want to be challenged. We need to be challenged. And part of that is seeing someone be challenged in their most 
shocking way. And that can sometimes mean failing. And that's why those talks are so motivational. That's mm-hmm. my piece. That's my, my take on it. Anyway, why do you think people want to see people fail and build themselves up again? Because they can relate to it. Because it tells them it's okay to fail and to rise up. I mean, this is why, you know, movies exist and TV shows exist. And the the, the beauty of the story arc and the story spine that I teach in, in Selling with Stories, like, you know, it's, it's, it's about a struggle. You know, it's about you're going about everyday life normal and then something happens to change it. And then there's consequences from it until there's some sort of solution and happy ending and moral of the story. Like people love a good story because it gives them hope. It gives them hope that they too can come out of a, of, of a hard time and it, and it motivates people. It just, it, it triggers the brain to be like, okay, I got this. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, when you've got a hero and they're almost untouchable because they're so excellent at what they do and they're magical. When you see them fail, you kind of like something inside you dies, but at the same time it motivates you, doesn't it? Because you think, okay, that person could do wrong. Like if Jeb, I'm not saying he does, but if he makes mistakes, I'm kind of like, ah, he is human. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And we need that because otherwise they're unreachable. Yeah. And when they're unreachable, it feels like something's wrong with this picture. Right. So when you go to the negativity bias, like mm, something's wrong with this picture, if it's it's like that saying, if it's too good to be true, it's, you know, it's not true. It's people want to see in the imperfections. Why do you think people are so into reality TV? They It's like a train wreck. People like the imperfections, it makes them feel like they have a chance. It makes them feel like I don't have to be the ultimate being. I too can can rise above. I remember being on a, a sales presentation a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and I had I had a new Mac and it was like my first time using a Mac laptop. And I was trying to pull up the, this PowerPoint presentation and share it and show it to the prospect. And I couldn't figure out how to do it on this new Mac and on Zoom. And I was struggling and I was sweating. I like literally physically God. sweating. I was pretty sure I was maintaining my composure. I was like, okay, I'm having issues here. And and he says, oh, thank God you're not perfect. You're not perfect after all. And it was such an eye-opening moment for me. I'm like, did you actually think I was perfect before this moment? I'm like. And so people do look at you at a cer- in a certain way. And I say this all the time. People are always watching. People are always watching you. Not everybody likes you. Not everybody's going to be into you. Not, not everybody thinks you're great. But there are people that do watch you and think you're great and think you're a role model and put you on a pedestal. The problem with the pedestal, as we know, I think I got this from Heather Monahan. If you're, yeah, if you're on a pedestal, or you put someone on a pedestal, you're below the pedestal. Mm-hmm. It makes you less. It makes you one down versus one up. Yeah. Whereas you should be kind of like, I want to tap, I want to understand. Uh, this is actually really interesting because my dad used to always tell me when I was a child, he used to say, 
if you ever feel jealous of someone, like really jealous because they're so good at something that you wish that you were good at, turn that into envy and asking them, how? How do you do that? I'm so impressed. And like big them up, make them look good. But remember that, you know, you in your own right have, have your own, have your own successes. And on that, 2023, right? Mm, 2023. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes into the new year and they think, I'm going to give up, I don't know, smoking, alcohol or whatever. Mm. And it doesn't tend to last. And we all come into the year so optimistically, like 2020, no one knew COVID was going to happen. Mm. And everyone had their hopes and dreams. So knowing that you and I are a bit smarter than uh, the the spring chicken who comes in and says, I want to be famous or whatever, being realistic, what word would you use to describe what your goals are? If you Mm. had to put it, can you put it into a word? Putting you on the spot again. I, you, you, yes and no, because this is something I've been thinking about because I do um start every year with a word like yeah. it's like the theme of the year nice did not i did not have one for this year i don't think if i did i forgot what it was but i had a word in mind and then you said something at the beginning of the show that made me go hey maybe that's the maybe i should use that word instead you said a word that made me think i need to change my original word and you've forgotten what that word is and i'm gonna have to no. remember Oh, what is the oh, you, word? Okay, so the word I was playing with for 2023 is reinvigorate. Okay, that was that was the word on my list. But then you said something that made me go, maybe that should be the word. And the word People are always is, watching. People are always listening. The word is, this comes from a, a game show. I don't think you know what I'm talking about. Those of you older people out there, you, you'll you probably, this will sound familiar to you. And the word is, anyway, so my word, I this is the word you said that got my attention. Ready? I'm so ready. Come on, say the word. Disrupt. <laughs> uh-huh. Disrupt. In what sense? Because let's face it, disrupt could be quite a bad thing. You know, you walk into a room. And everything's neatly organized and Gina disrupts it all. <laughs> or she disrupts the speech, the speech. The queen could be doing a speech or, well, the king now. And Gina says, uh-uh, I'm going to disrupt this. So what do you mean? Well, by- that's, that's, you're the negative thinking one and I'm the positive thinking <laughs> one. So- I've never been called that before, but I'll take that. <laughs> so it, when it comes to the two of us, so it depends on the perspective you're going to take on it. I like disrupt because it's about changing what's going on, changing status quo, um, not coasting. Because I've, I've, I think I've said this before. I think this past year, I feel like it coasted a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say coast. I'm going to say rest. This is where the reinvigorate came from because I'm like this year was a year that I rested Mm -hmm. because I was coming off some really rocky years right like um, many people had had challenges in 2020 but uh, I I probably might come in like with a third prize winning in a competition for 2020 like every the many things that went wrong in 2020 and I talked about it in 
that solo episode I did. Mm -hmm. So I went through all that chaos. And then this year I was able to just like rest and relax in it. And see, I feel like those words are negative. I don't even like to say that I rested. But now I'm rested. And this also comes from a sermon I heard in church about summits and valleys. We have to rest in the valley to get to the next summit. So I rested in the valley this year. And now I'm ready to trek up to the summit. So that's that's the disrupt. Or is it reinvigorate? I'm stuck between the two words now. You said disrupt and gave me the idea. Interesting. Yeah, because they're two different words, aren't they? Disrupt is like sort of changing course, but reinvigorate is interesting. I think you could have both. Why can't you have both? And because they both <laughs> they both go nicely together. Maybe it's maybe it's disrupt and reinvigorate. Yeah. Yeah. I because think they somebody go nicely together. Somebody else said to me this year that um this last year, twenty twenty two, that I was playing smaller than they've seen me in the past. So that seems to be something that comes up a lot. I don't know if it's just in America or I hear it on podcasts. You know how things go in fashion sometimes? Yeah, like yeah. imposter syndrome came into fashion. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people talking about playing small. And I think it's something that everybody can relate to to a certain extent. Um, mm. And I think there's elements of, everyone playing small at some point of their life or at some, and maybe you meant to play small this year, right? Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. been important. It's sort of like the rest thing. Yeah. I was meant to like catch my breath. I was meant to catch my breath and now I'm ready to start the sprint again. And also you don't know what you know until you know, if you, if you get what I mean. Like, if you know, if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> if you get me. You know, it's like, for example, this year, um, especially my own business, I never realized how capable I was until I, I, for example, my first ever training with Sales Gravy, I felt like a massive imposter. I was like, what am I doing? They're going to find me out. This is so embarrassing. Um, but now I can do it. My, I can do training with my eyes closed. I can do this podcast. I was petrified. The amount of notes that I wrote for our first podcast. And now it's like, it just kind of, we can't kind of roll with it. It's, I think everything in life, everyone plays small first before they realize, hey, mm -hmm. I have a shot at that leading part and everyone needs to play small to discover that they can play big. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs to take a moment to be in the background. Like I will often be in the background to observe a situation before I'm going to step into the foreground. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, nobody, you know, the average person doesn't want to go first. They don't want to be the first person to do something, to try something, to put themselves out there. Um, but, but if they see someone else do it, this goes back to letting other people lead and be a role model and then set the tone that you too can do it. Yeah. Yeah. But someone's got to lead. Yes. Someone has got to lead and having the courage <laughs> to be the leader is, is a huge thing. Do you want to know what my 2023 20, word is? I do want to know. So I'm not, I, I don't feel like I haven't got the confidence to be what I want to be. I, I don't feel like I need to play small anymore, but I know I can play big. But what I am absolutely petrified of 
is my lack of discipline. Um, mm. So discipline. Like, Ooh. but that's, there's a deeper side to that for me because I, I can, I'm very driven. I can have the discipline, but when you fail or something goes off course to get back on track, that's hard to get back on track, whether it be a diet, whether it be a child being sick when I've got a whole day panned out of prospecting and some really good clients to work with. The discipline to pick it up again and not to just think, oh, well, that fell flat. There I am. I'm just going to leave that for a few weeks. It's really hard. It's really hard. That makes me think of a GPS system in your car when you get off track and the GPS goes rerouting. Yeah. Perfect example. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe, maybe that's your word, rerouting. Yeah, yeah, maybe it, maybe it is. And I think, especially with COVID, a lot of people went off track. And I, I really, I think I genuinely believe what we see at Sales Gravy is you sacrifice what you want now for what you want later. Mm -hmm. And having the willpower to say no to the social media or have to say no to the tasks that we want to do because we can, because we're on target, but actually thinking, no, I want to double my earnings and make even more money next year. And having techniques to do that, because you can't always remind yourself, you've got to have visuals, you've got to have pictures. What's my goal? What do I want to achieve? And having drive is a really difficult thing to maintain. It is. And, th and that's why I kind of like rerouting, because rerouting says I can get back on track. I think so often people go, oh my gosh, I like, Right. We're at the beginning of the year. People have their resolutions. I don't I don't make resolutions. That's a whole nother conversation. But people fall off track and then they fall into this hole of like, OK, well, I'm failing, so I'm just going to stay here versus mm. I saw I saw a meme on, on social media. I think it was I saw it on LinkedIn and it was one of like the sales it's like a sales company that posts a lot of really cool memes, but it was like, it was bas basically these hashtags and it was like, like eight hashtags, right? Like not hashtags, ha hash marks, hash marks, you know, like, mm -hmm. right. There were like eight hash marks and it was like numbers of time I fell down. And then uh, below that, it was like nine ha hash marks, numbers of times I got up, right? So that's the key. It doesn't matter how many times you fail, how many times you got off track, how many times you lost discipline. How many times did you actually reroute? Me personally. Uh, you, anybody like that. That's the perspective yeah. to look at is. Yeah. And reroute. I think if you're not careful, you, you can get quite negative towards getting back on track because it's more of an effort when you have to reroute. That's sometimes the tasks that you love doing, like in our case, prospecting, become more of a load and heavier because we've had to reroute a few times. But if you get used to rerouting and it becomes a, a habit that is just, you don't even think about it, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, I was just going to ask, why Why do you think that it's such a heavy load to reroute? It, I, it's funny because the way you said this, right? I never see rerouting as a heavy load, but I do think people do see that, that they fall off track and it seems really heavy to have to pick up and pivot and reroute. I think often it's 
when individuals, they have a plan and they're really happy with the plan and they're very set on it. And then that plan sort of falls to pieces. It's like that plan doesn't feel so great anymore because it fell to pieces that time. So to the effort to get it back on track is much harder. And it's the same with a car, right? I have to blow up the tires and now like, oh, I'm not so excited about driving because my tires might go again. So I need to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, you want to be smooth sailing. Um, you don't want to injure yourself along the way. So it's, um, I think it's a pattern of perfect. There's a lot of perfectionists out there. They like things to be neat. They love it when things go well, that when things don't go to plan, especially if you're a control freak like me, you know, it's like, okay, now I need to get back in control. And it's that sort of rerouting. But it's such an interesting question. Why do we find it so hard to reroute? Because I know I'm not the only one out there. Uh, You see it, addiction. I think there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there. Like you're doing everything you can to insulate yourself from things going wrong. And then, you know, you, you go about your way and everything runs smoothly. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. And you're like, now what? And that's where the heaviness comes in, you know, Jeb talks about this in his books about resiliency and obstacle immunity. So the more obstacles you have, the more resilient you become. Mm. And you should actually look to have obstacles, right? And and that's where my head is like, oh, it's another obstacle. Oh, okay. Rerouting. Next yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and I think anyone who runs from the obstacles and and I as somebody in my past life had a really easy life. Like he had such an easy life. He had things handed to him. He didn't have to really work that hard. He had a good safety net with his family. Uh, Whereas I grew up not with that safety net. And so whenever we were in conflict together, uh, it was a struggle because I could handle conflict and things going wrong and he couldn't. Yes. Like the world would fall apart over one little thing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What is wrong? Like, this is such a tiny blip. But I realized he had never experienced hardship. Yeah. He, he did not know how to cope. It comes back to childhood. It comes back to childhood. Uh, it really does. Because how, I hate to say this, but being... um being Cambridge educated, I I hang up, I, I've been around quite a lot of people who are very well off and have been given a lot and handed a lot on their mm-hmm. plate. And so many of them, I'd probably say about 80% of them that I can think about, don't work that hard because they've never had to. Not that yeah. they're not capable of it, but they've never had to. And I they've think never, it's yeah. bringing, if anyone who's listening to this, if you're bringing a child into the world, or if you've brought a child into the world, if you're bringing up a child in this world, I would say 100% make sure that they are fighting the battles that they need to fight later on. You cannot protect them because if you do protect them, they will struggle later in life. And boundaries is so important with that. You're doing a disservice, I think. I, you know, I, I get, I had a really interesting upbringing. Things were not handed to me. I had to work hard. I had to work at a young age. With all that being said, I was a daddy's girl. My dad put me on a pedestal. So what he couldn't give me in things and material things, I mean, he gave me in freedom and opportunities and to be who I wanted to be. But he he put me on a pedestal 
And, uh, you know, I do a lot of reading. I do therapy. I do. I'm very into psychology. I'm actually looking to go back for my master's. And um, there is something about it's actually a form of abuse to put someone on a pedestal. And I did not know this. Isn't this interesting? Because putting someone on a pedestal kind of shelters them from mm-hmm. other things. When, when you look at it from a parenting perspective. So this is my point on, on anyone parenting um, or even in a leadership role, right? Like think about if you put someone in your organization on a pedestal, whether you put your leader on a pedestal, making you one down versus one up, or you as a leader put someone on your team on a pedestal because let's say they're a high performer. What does that do for them? What is the impact that's going to, it's going to have versus kind of leveling the field and keeping everybody equal? Hmm. Just a random philosophical thought. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's a great, it's a great thought because it comes back to praise as well and overpraising someone and making them think they can do no wrong. And then the minute that they get that criticism, it will bring them straight down and they won't like yeah. it. They won't be able to handle it. And that's not their fault. It's your fault because you didn't allow that space in the first place. Well, good, good point. And so I think I forgot my point in that tangent. That That is something that I've discovered about myself. And, I, and I've talked about it, that the fact that my father always put me on such a pedestal, what I learned was every time, the reason why I was on the pedestal was because I was always rewarded for performance. With praise or some level of freedom. It was either one. It was praise or freedom. It was usually some kind of a form of freedom, like no curfew or, you know, do whatever I want. So he conditioned me for that. And anytime I did well, got good grades, um, uh, performed well in a job, any of that, that's, that's what I got. So that shaped me in my career path of expecting the same thing from others mm. that I work with. Yeah. And then when you didn't get it. I think I suck at my job. Yeah. And that brings in the imposter syndrome and all the other things. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who have some level of that because I'm not the only daddy's girl on a pedestal. There's all different things that, that, people go through in their childhood that now shapes them as adults. So I would say like, look at your weak, your weaknesses. I tell people to swat themselves, look at your, your strengths, your weaknesses and opportunities and threats for yourself personally. And does any of that stem back to your upbringing? Yeah. Which is a, that's almost therapy, isn't it? But you kind of need career therapy as well. I think if people are getting therapy for their personal life, consider it in your career. Um, because I've often find as a career coach that I am finding myself in therapist grounds and I'm kind of like, ooh, don't know if I should be here. <laughs> but I also am able to contribute quite well to that because of, of you know, what, what I've seen women go through. And I say women, it's not fair really because it happens to men as well, but mm-hmm. especially women, especially women, that's because that's not because of anything to do with men. It's more to do with our history. I think, you know, my husband's grandmother thinks that it's very odd and not quite right that I'm working <laughs> and that I'm mm. the bread, I'm the breadwinner in the house. And it's, it's just really bizarre. 
and it's just not right. Yeah, and that's, that's, but that's these are people she, that are alive, you know? Yeah, she's alive right. still. So no wonder men feel weird about it. But she, yeah, that's how she was raised. That's how she was conditioned. Yeah. Um, another sneak peek into the book. The book dives into all of this. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> how your childhood and upbringing affect you and impact you in your sales role yeah. today. Very interesting. Wow. So that little, little, there's Better a little get spoil- this book out soon or people are just going to stop us. <laughs> Stop listening because the suspense will just drive them crazy. <laughs> I, I have to drop in little seatlets here. Keep people interested. Yep. Disrupt your time management and get writing. <laughs> um, I will tell you this. Reinvigorate. You, you know what? Actually, it's it's interesting finding out your motivators um, or finding out like what are the things that are going to help you with your discipline, for example. So I finally got on a role, got new system, got new rhythm of writing. And I've got someone um, who is editing. And this is probably not the way it normally happens, but she's editing as I write. So she's got access to the draft and she, I brain dump it. And then she goes in and finesses it. And then she goes, what do you think of this? And I'm like, damn, that sounds really good when you rewrite it. So what's driven me is the fact that she's sitting there waiting to do the next edit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this is real time. I got to keep moving because there's someone trying to like edit this thing. Mm. It's probably not the conventional way of doing it, um, but that's okay. I don't have to be. It is okay. People are writing in all sorts of ways right now. I think um, not enough people write. I see some awesome thought leaders on LinkedIn and I I urge them, write, you know, write. (laughs) um, There's a lot of people out there who are just growing knowledge and need to. There's a lot of quotes going around, but not enough content, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think the the thought process or the, the thought of writing is very overwhelming for people. Um, for a couple of different reasons. I think a lot of people don't feel like they can write well or that they're a good writer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big piece of it. It's It feels like a heavy load to like have to do it. It's sort of like deciding you want to go run in a marathon. You're like, I've never run a marathon. I don't know. Man, I think I'll skip it. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. be but that they have of- it in them and they're capable of doing it. It's amazing. And just think in parallel universes, and this is the one thing that I always wish, I can never understand why people would never want to live because personally, like I could live five, 10 times. And I think we could find so many different parts of our personality in different universes that could excel. But time is money and time essentially is so valuable. So valuable. Mm -hmm. So are you going to stick to the word discipline? Or rerouting. I'm going to sit to. <laughs> well, we can both have two words. Yes, because it is 2023, and we're we're moving forward. We're getting older. We need two words. We're getting wiser. So let's add another word. Okay, I like that. I like that. Why have one word when we can have two? Yeah. So I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with disrupt, and reinvigorate. She's doing the look. Talk, Susanna. And I am going to go with, <laughs> and I am going to go with, um, discipline and rerouting. 
Or rerouting is what we say in the UK. Rerouting. Rerouting. Yeah. Kind of. Not not quite like that, but yeah. Rerouting. Rerouting. Just for all of those listeners, Gina is currently having English speaking lessons with me so that she can fit in when she comes to the UK. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> I can't wait to come She's visit She's working you. hard. She's working hard. You should. You should. It's going to happen. I hope so. I hope so. My husband's all for it. He wants to come. Nice. He comes with. We're a package deal. Yeah. What's that? We're a package deal. We come together. Yeah. I thought you were saying he comes with. I was like, is he going to cook for me? Like what? (laughs) He could. He loves to cook. I like that. Yeah. He'll he'll cook for sure. Uh, Do we have. um, We do. We do. uh, I didn't even get to finish the question. (laughs) you know i'm waiting for this the thing is listeners must forgive me because it's nearly christmas here so i'm feeling very christmasy and when when you were listening to this it's still going to be in the christmas season so i'm allowed to use it's january but it's also christmas yeah so simple one for gina um not that gina is simple but simple one for you (laughs) it's a would you rather because i love would you Mm. rathers and we have a seasonal one would you rather you get one choice? Would you rather be one of Santa's elves or his reindeers? Oh my God, that is so easy. Is it? An, an elf. Why? Crudence to be a, that, the reindeer work, that's a hard work. That is like, is yes, you're pulling that sleigh with all the toys and. You're flying in the air and you don't know what's in like, it's cold in that nighttime air. And it's a, it's a lot of work. Absolutely. No, at least the elf, like you're cute. You're in a cute (laughs) little outfit. You're making toys. You're bringing joy to people more so than a reindeer. Disagree. Disagree. I disagree. Okay. So what's your take on it? My take on it is that I would love to fly. Okay. So there's that. There's the but job. also but also I, I, I'm a workaholic, but I would love it if I could only work one day of the year. And elves are working all year round making toys, whereas reindeers are only working one day because they're flying one day. So the rest of the year you'll find me in a zoo somewhere just chilling um with my buddies and not doing much. It's all it's all about perspective. I did. I did see the funniest meme today. Um, it was today or yesterday. It was a picture of Santa talking to one reindeer, and all of the other reindeers were like sitting in the distance, not even standing. They were sitting, and the one reindeer must have been the spokesperson reindeer because he says to Santa, "They would all like to work from home." <laughs> so yeah, the disruptive reindeer. <laughs> they're like we're done pulling this sleigh we want to work from home and what did santa say that was it that was the there was nothing else to it santa says, just, well that's okay because we're going to a messy universe and uh you you won't actually have to fly guess in. what we don't we don't need you anymore <laughs> we don't need you anymore but santa will always need his elves yeah someone's got to do his someone's got to do his work yeah 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 so you'll be working hard all year round, but you'll be jolly and you'll be cute. Whereas <laughs> I'll be 
You just find me chilling <laughs> in the hay. You know, I can't see myself just chilling. Like I, I can't, I can't even go get my nails done without feeling anxiety. Mm, I you know get that? that too. I get that too. I, I can't I get that. sit. I can't sit there. You need like, your phone. You need to, you know, be on. The I go. need to be occupied. Yeah, I need are stimuli. You, question: Are you one of those people who goes to get their nails done and <laughs> you have to swap hands for the phone just so you can like keep in touch with emails and what's going on? You are not that person, aren't you? <laughs> you you ask in such a judgmental tone. No, I'm judging myself because I do exactly the yeah, same. So, I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I try. I actually have, tr- have gotten better at that to be respectful to the nail technician because it's, it's got to be annoying as hell to them because yeah. they're trying to do their job and you're just all over the place and smudging your nails. And so yeah. anyway... This was a fun way to kick off our fifth season of The Women yeah. Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and Jeb Blunt. And uh, it is time for us to wrap up this show. So thank you for listening. Check us out at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com and uh, kick off this year strongly at Sales Gravy University. Just go to salesgravy.university and check out the many courses that we have that can take you to the next level. I'm Gina Tremarco. Happy New Year. And I'm Susanna Gray-Jones. Happy 2023. Bye, Warners. Bye, Susanna Gray-Jones. Bye.